about them Cowboys indeed. All right, it is the About Them Cowboys podcast here on The Athletic. Checking in with you late in the week of free agency. Would have been earlier in the week had there been a little bit more action from your Dallas Cowboys, but they're playing it like they normally do. They're just sitting back, letting the dominoes fall to them, letting the cards play out. I guess we'll see where they end up at the end of the day. We'll talk about the movement or lack thereof in this episode. Also, Father John Mishota was at the DAC press conference. We'll get to that. But I want to make sure and tell you to subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash Cowboys. It's a dollar a month right now. Can't beat that with NFL free agency going on. We've got March Madness going on. So make sure you cash that in at theathletic.com slash Cowboys. But now it's time to welcome in, as always, the Bash Brothers of all things Dallas Cowboys. Kevin KT Turner and... From the athletic, Father John Mishota from Michigan. You're all the way up in Michigan, John. How's it going up there? Uh, it's it's fine. It's you know that whole little power outage, in in Dallas and that little snowstorm got me ready for this weather. Not nearly that bad, but still cold. Well, what's the current temperature up there, John? Uh, we're in the 30s, I would say. Let's see, uh, 37. Does that do anything for you? That's fun. 37 and windy. 61 and fair. Where I'm at, just just wanted to let you know. I'll be Uh, back soon. So let's start with uh, just uh, the free agency um, bubble that hasn't really burst yet for the Cowboys, and and might not, (laughs) let's be honest. Uh, But I will say, there's. let's start with the secondary, because that's kind of where things kind of started, is Cheeto signs a three-year deal with the Bengals for, quite frankly, a little more money than I thought he would get on the open market. And then the Cowboys end up, Signing Jordan Lewis to a three-year deal, quite a bit cheaper than Cheeto's deal, as you know, Jordan's a little less uh, versatile if he's at cornerback. But I couldn't help but think maybe they're signing Jordan Lewis for other reasons than nickel cornerback. So I'd like to get your early thoughts, John, on you know Cheeto leaving and Jordan Lewis staying, and and the whole cornerback position in general uh, after the early early portion of free agency. Yeah, so I thought the entire time that. I still feel that corner is the target at 10. And if by some chance they they don't love a corner there or they feel like they can get the same guy and maybe trade back a little bit or maybe even wait till 44. Like I just find it hard to believe that they're not drafting a corner between when that draft starts and the 44th pick. I just have, I've felt that all along. Nothing that's happened so far has made me think differently. But when you bring back Jordan Lewis and seeing, judging by things that I read on Twitter, not everyone's ver- thrilled about that. I just think it takes out like the Richard Shermans and, um, you know, some of these other guys that are like not the high level free agent corners, but it takes out the other veterans because I don't think they're going to spend on another guy like that. Because if you just look at their depth chart right now, you got Jordan Lewis, you got Anthony Brown, you got Trayvon Diggs, Reggie Robinson, I think will make the move back over to corner. You got Richard Robinson and got Maurice Kennedy. Like, I don't think you need to add another veteran and then draft a guy. And so I think... I think they're in a great spot right now to get a Sertan, to get a Caleb Farley, maybe trade back a few spots, get J.C. Horn, something like that. And I just think that that fits with not only where they're drafting at, but what they need to do. So I don't, I don't know. I guess my only surprise, and it's and it's a small one, and you kind of touched on it, KT, is that is with Jordan Lewis, you know, what I believe Dan Quinn is looking for, just going off his track record, is generally bigger corners, and that's not Jordan Lewis. So I'm interested if he sees him as being a guy like, hey, he can do a lot of different things. We've seen him blitz. We can move him around. He can be a good matchup guy here or there. 
or maybe maybe there is some talk about him maybe playing some safety. So that'll be an interesting move to watch for sure. And it's crazy because you don't really have a good feel until someone, you know, talks to Dan Quinn. And just being where we are in the pandemic, not a ton of media availability and things like that. So it's been very difficult to know. And, you know, maybe it's a good strategy to kind of have that under wraps. But, you know, we're so used to knowing exactly what the Cowboys are looking for. And that's where the whole Jordan Lewis thing is very intriguing because, you know, you're looking at Trayvon Diggs outside. If you draft a guy at 10 that's a cornerback, you know, another outside corner, and then we might be looking at Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis, you know, having a competition for third cornerback. And if you want to throw in Maurice Kennedy or you want to throw in another guy like that, you can. Or maybe consideration, maybe Dan Quinn watched Jordan Lewis's tape, knows Jordan Lewis, and is like, hey, I think I can take a crack at this guy at free safety. And, uh, you know, a situation where you'll be playing a lot of single high safety and things like that, and Donovan Wilson can – come down a lot and be a strong safety near the line of scrimmage, which he, where I think he's more effective. He's not a great cover guy, in my opinion. It's it's a thing that's out there, but I ju- it's just hard to pin that down until someone talks to Dan Quinn. So, And I don't even know. Like, When does Dan Quinn talk? Does Dan Quinn talk even before the draft? I, I don't think that'll happen, do you? Yeah, I don't know if he will. I mean, he hasn't talked yet uh, in a press conference setting or anything like that with us, but he did it. He did a an interview with pro football focus right after he signed with the Cowboys. And I just listening to that interview, he said multiple times how that was like the number one thing he was going to do was just go back and watch as much tape as he possibly could on all the Cowboys defenders. Now, obviously he's somewhat familiar with them. I mean, he's obviously coached against them, but it was going to be one of these things where it's just sounded like he was, he was going to just break all of their tape down over again, particularly from last season and figure out what they have there, what to keep and whatnot. So you know, as to your point earlier, I just think that that's probably what happened. He probably looked at the Jordan Lewis tape and was like, I think he can help us in this way, this way, and this way. And he probably won't cost us a ton. So with all that combined, it kind of makes sense there. The other thing that factors in is while people like myself, and, and I know you've done stuff like this too, KT, we've, we've obviously talked about in this podcast, we put together these lists of, you know, who are the best free agents out there? And, you know, we're not sitting there grinding over the tape of every single free agent that's out there. A lot of them are the names we know. We've seen guys have success in the NFL. They very well could have looked at this free agency class and been like, meh, for what the price of some of these guys are, we don't love it. You know, I'd rather just keep Jordan Lewis, fill a hole, won't cost, cost us a lot. Let's go in this draft and then really address it and and, and draft another guy we can compare, we compare with Trayvon Diggs and have them together, you know, for the next four plus years. And so that's where I, I think that they might be looking at because it just, you know, to us, Richard Sherman just seems like such an obvious thing because of the fact that he, you know, played for Dan Quinn in Seattle. But they might not, from what we've seen so far in this first week of free agency, they're probably not even willing to spend what it would take to get Richard Sherman. Yeah, we're about six weeks away from the draft, uh, right around 40 days or so. And I do think like so part of what they do in free agency is like to make sure they're not naked at any of these positions when they go in. Right. But, you know, another thing, I do think it is interesting to watch the developments of other teams that like are in front of the Cowboys at pick 10. Like Denver signing Ronald Darby at cornerback at nine. Does that make Denver's need for a cornerback a little less? You know, it might. Maybe Denver's yeah. not sitting there going, we have to take cornerback. So, and that opens up, you know, the possibility of having your choice at Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertan at 10. Or even if the cornerbacks get pushed back a little bit, you were to trade back. Like, I do think that was an interesting develop. It's a little thing, but it's something to watch. Um, you know, today they added some defensive tackles. And to me, this is good because. 
now you do kind of get to see in two guys that they signed maybe a little bit of what Dan Quinn is looking for on the defensive line. They signed Brent Urban, who had been with the Bears, and uh, he's he's real tall guy, six foot seven, not a pass rushing type. He's a he's a DT who is more of a run stopping type of guy, um, but he's a decent player, and they got him for cheap. You know, a decent player on defensive tackle, I'm all about that, given that you were probably going to ask Tristan Hill and Neville Gallenmore to possibly be your starters next year. And they brought in Carlos Watkins as well. Carlos Watkins, who had been uh, in Houston. Um, again, these guys are not at all household names, but they're pretty solid players. And the thing that stood out to me is that Brent Urban's six foot seven, 300 pounds, and Carlos Watkins is six foot four, but he's got long arms. Like really long arms, to like where you're like, okay, well he's he's basically like a you know with his arms like a six foot seven guy, so they're clearly looking for that as like longer type of guys at defensive tackle, and I think Watkins could probably play a little one and three technique. Again, these guys aren't great players by any means, but I love adding that depth and then not being cornered into oh we've got to spend a premium pick on a defensive tackle. Like now you can just kind of go best player and and go from there. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely, and and even when I saw both those signings, that was one of the first things that I thought about was like this does enough to where you absolutely don't have to draft a defensive tackle, but I still think they draft a defensive tackle within the first three rounds. I still think it's one of, a major need for them, and they know it. But if let's say things just don't fall the way that they hope it falls, at least they have some insurance now with guys that have played at, at the NFL have have some starting experience and things like that that you can at least count on to fill gaps. But I still think if, if the right defensive tackle is there, they still view that as a major position of need. So I don't think it it changes a ton and it doesn't cost you a lot, but it's more insurance, you know. And so also the other thing I thought when I saw that is it made me think like, yeah, maybe all that talk throughout the season at the end of the year about, you know, potentially bringing back Gerald McCoy. Yeah, that might be done. You know, they might be going this route and then and then, like I said, draft a guy at some point and then that that's where they go from there. So, um, well, actually. It looks like the Cowboys might be uh, agreeing to terms with Terrell Basham, what? edge defender. Yes, that's I going mean, on right. That's going on right now. Okay, well that's interesting. He was a guy that they liked, um, you know, coming out of the draft a few years ago. He might have been a visit. Um, I believe he might. I believe he was a, a, a thirty-man visit. I, I could be wrong on that, but I, you know, I remember we all you know getting ready for the draft that year. And, his brother, uh, uh, Carlos Basham, or Boogie Basham, is going to be in the draft this year. Uh, Terrell Basham, 6'4", 266. He's a guy who's uh, been – the Colts drafted him, but he's been with the Jets the last couple of years, and he just hasn't broke out. Um, you know, he was I believe he was a second-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. No, he was a third-round pick. He went 80th overall in the 2017 draft. Again, this would be another low-risk, uh, high-reward guy with a little bit of upside. Uh, potentially, he would be a right defensive end, not really a strong side defensive end. But he, you know, this is a guy who you come in and go, okay, could this guy compete with Dorrance Armstrong to be my second defensive end uh, behind Randy Gregory, or my right defensive end, second right defensive end behind Randy Gregory? Um, so I, I again, another move that like I know Cowboys fans are like clamoring to, for them to do big things, but you, you're just not gonna see them do that right now. And man, this, that's another type of move that I really like. And it's nice to have breaking news on the podcast too. <laughs> yeah, it looks like his agent tweeted it. Um, yeah, that's uh, 
That's interesting. I mean, again, it's not like some news that all of a sudden is just going to be, I mean, the guy's had, I think, five and a half sacks in the last two years combined. It's not, it's again, it's not anything that will prevent you from doing anything in the draft. I mean, if there's a good edge rusher there, that's what's so interesting about 10. Most years drafts, 10, you're looking at, there's going to be a good D tackle, a good defensive end there at 10. And you look at this draft and it's like, I don't know about that. And it's just interesting because of the fact that the Cowboys need defense. They're drafting at 10. And there are a lot of different scenarios where the first nine picks are all offensive players, and you're not you're not going to see a defensive player take until potentially the Cowboys at ten. Like that just doesn't happen. There's usually an edge rusher. There's usually a tackle that goes somewhere in that top ten before. And this draft class just doesn't have it. So you need to continue getting insurance, and it looks like you know that's what they're doing. Yeah, and, and look, it's uh, obviously you know the Randy Gregory thing we've talked about a million times, where you know counting on him is never usually a good idea. But, you know, they expect him to be there, and I expect him to be there too. But, you know, Terrell Basham, he can give them something that, you know, a little bit of pass rush, a little bit of competition in camp more than anything. I mean, again, this guy is not a high sack guy. In fact, you know, he was playing a lot of 3-4 outside linebacker with the Jets. You know, they're probably, I would I would assume they're going to ask him to be a 4-3 pass rusher. Maybe Dan Quinn sees him as a, a guy who can play, you know, strong linebacker, play Sam or something like that. Now, maybe that's yeah. a possibility. Um, you know, again, until like you talk to Dan Quinn, it's hard to really know. Um, but that like length on the inside does appear to be something with Carlos Watkins and and um, you know Brent Urban who they got today. Again, just not great players. Urban, the better player of the two. Um, although Carlos Watkins had a really good you know college career with Clemson. But Brent Urban has good run-stopping presence, and they've needed that. They need a true one-tech. We've we've been begging them for years to draft a one-technique defensive tackle, a big guy. And even though the, the value on those guys kind of slides a little bit because they don't always offer a lot of pass rush value, you know, we've been begging for those to for those guys to draft a guy like that on on day three. And now it's like, okay, well, I don't need you to draft a one technique. I, I would like it. It does make me wonder if they would like a Gregory Rousseau. You know, a a guy who played at Miami this year and who was, or he would actually set the year out, but um, you know, a guy's kind of projected to go top 20 in this draft and he's Hold six up. Foot. Let's do this. Hold on, KT. Before you get in this, let's do this right yeah. now. Yeah. Let's say right now the Cowboys come to you and they're like, out of the guys you've watched so far on the, on the edge rushers, we have to take one at 10. Who do you want us to take? And you can get what they're all available. There hasn't been one taken out of all the ones you've watched. You're gonna. You get to pick the guy. We're 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 leaning on you, KT. Everything is gonna depend on whatever you pick. Whoever you say, that's who we're taking. Who 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 would you pick for the for the Cowboys? Aziz uh, Ojulari from Georgia. He would play right defensive end, and you know what? I would take him at ten. He probably wouldn't start for me. Doesn't that hurt? Like in year one or ever? Oh, year one. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> Randy Gregory would start. So, I mean, and Aziz Ojulari. You know, that's his game is rushing the passer and getting after it. But I don't think he would start over Randy Gregory. So, you know, again, I don't think edge at 10. You know, the thing about Gregory Rousseau, though, is he could play inside, too. You yeah. know, he played a lot of tackle. It's just weird because he's 6'7", and, but he's like 250 pounds. <laughs> so it's like, okay, that's a little odd. Um, but, like, you know, you think of those things like the way David Irving kind of won. David Irving, Irving had more power than Rousseau. I mean, look. Rousseau's 2019 year is unmistakable. 15 and a half sacks, almost 20 tackles for a loss. I mean, the thing is, it's just weird seeing a guy who doesn't look terribly athletic 
and he plays defensive tackle and defensive end, and he wins sometimes as a defensive tackle, but he stands straight up. Like, but I, someone's gonna bank on the upside of Rousseau. You know, one thing I was thinking about John though, like, and I'm not like one of those guys who's like, oh, trade, trade, trade. You're like, usually you sit at where your draft pick is and you make the pick, right? Like, just call, coming up with trades is fun and it's good fodder, but it actually takes legit agreements to happen. So it's not always like a realistic thing when people just go trade down. But like, what's interesting now, we were kind of talking about how the cornerback conundrum could, you know, they they could be fine there at corner. You know, what if they get to 10 and what if Kyle Pitts from Florida is there or Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State is there, even though the quarterbacks may be gone at that time, you know, those are really blue chip talents in this draft and that could get the phone ringing. And the idea of the Cowboys having four picks in the top 60, uh, you know, uh, or four picks in the top you know 75 or whatever, you know, that's pretty exciting compared to having just three. Like it, it's simple. Like moving, I'm comfortable. I'll, I'll put it this way. I'm comfortable moving away from Caleb Farley and Patrick Sertan because I like the second round corners. And I like the idea. If you're telling me that you would be serious about taking a safety, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to see what they're, what they're thinking at there at 10, because to me, if it's just Farley or it's just Patrick Sertan, that's fine. It feels rather safe, and I, I'm comfortable moving back if we need to. Just just put it that way. And who knows? They may be thinking we'll take the offensive tackle, you know, Slater from Northwestern. But you know, all those things are all in kind of conjunction with what they do in free agency a little bit. So that is interesting because that could definitely happen. Uh, and I'm fine. And, and if Kyle Pitts was there, just me personally, I'm trading back if, if there is someone interested. But I will say, I do feel like Cowboys fans will want them to take Kyle Pitts right there, especially if they trade back and, and then the team that they trade back with takes Kyle Pitts, even though, you know, tight end looks to be in good shape, especially with the way Schultz played last year and Jarwin coming back. I just feel like there's so much hype on Pitts. Frankly, I don't even think he'll be there at 10, just how much hype there is on him right now. But if he is there and they trade back, there's going to be a lot of unhappy Cowboys fans who are like, why didn't we just take that guy? But... Uh, I agree with you on Rashawn Slater too. That's one of the guys there that if they feel like they don't really know how much longer Tyron Smith can hold up, maybe on another year or so, when are you going to get another chance to take, you know, an offensive tackle that high? You're hoping you're not drafting this high again for a while. So maybe you go in that direction if you're not going to go with the corners and you can't get out of 10. And it's interesting you mentioned how the you don't love either one of those corners. And because of that, I don't see any team like really trading up to nine to get in front of the Cowboys to take one of those corners, you know, knowing, Oh, Hey, the Cowboys might take one of these guys. We need to get in front of them to get our guy. If we really love Farley or we really love Sertan, like I don't feel, feel like a team's going to do that. If a team trades up in front of the Cowboys at any point, I feel like it's for pits. It's for one of the receivers or it's for one of the quarterbacks. You, you know, and also I, I agree with you. You know, the thing, you know, it feels like Kyle Pitts is a good fit for the Eagles at pick six, you know, assuming they don't go quarterback. Um, but who knows? They may be trying to find a way to, you know, kill their cap a little more and find a way to get Deshaun Watson in there, although he's got a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, the thing about the thing about Kyle Pitts, I, I, do, I do think there's an argument for that because if you're at 10, it's really going to be hard to, to make an argument that there is a better player in this draft at 10 than Kyle Pitts. So, you know, again, I, I like using it to make the phone ring first if you can, but 
I, I kind of I don't see Blake Jarwin being here in 2022. I know 2020. I mean, there's a lot to find out about him in 2021, but I don't necessarily see him being here in 2022. I don't necessarily see Michael Gallup being here in 2022. And I and I understand that, but my my I guess my issue with this is. At what point? I mean, where where are you, where are you trying to get as a team? You just trying to get back to the playoffs? Okay, that's fine. Are you really trying to get to the playoffs and make a Super Bowl run? Because if that's the case, like, how do you think that this defense is going to get you there? Like, I don't care which team you look at. Like, I'm not saying you have to have a top five defense to make it to the Super Bowl, but like, even you look at the teams that Patrick Mahomes has been on with the Chiefs. Like, they've had really good defenses. The Bucks just won the Super Bowl with like a really good defense. I'm not saying you have to have the best defense. But you yeah. have to have a pretty good defense, and I don't know how the defense even gets pretty good if you continue to not invest high picks on that side of the ball. I don't know how you just coach him up. I feel like I dealt with almost a decade of that with like Rod Marinelli. No, I, I agree, and I look. I, I, I to me, because you're not because you're not adding him in free agency. So where are you yeah. adding the talent? Where are you getting better? It's a third tight end, Sean McKeon, who they're developing. <laughs> and as the Beldos are signed with the Chiefs today, Blake Bell. No, what I want to say, John. Here's my question to you, though. Um, because I, I truthfully don't know, uh, Kyle Pitts tight end from Florida who can kind of be wide receiver too. Rashawn Slater tackle slash guard from Northwestern, Caleb Farley, um, Virginia tech cornerback, Patrick Sertan, Alabama cornerback, and hell, I'll even throw in Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn state. Those five guys. Is this weird to say KT, I kind of want him to draft Micah Parsons. I don't think it's weird to say at all because I, 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 think, I, I it's not like a huge need for them, but like I kind of want some attitude and some some awesome playmaking on that defense at some position. I don't care. If you tell if you tell me he could be the next Bobby Wagner for Dan Quinn's defense, go get Micah Parsons at that. Yeah, like come on, I, guys. I can tell you with Micah Parsons, he is a extremely, extremely good athlete and a, a really good player. You see him making plays. But you do see him missing plays too, and that's yeah. a frustrating thing about him. Is like you see him like kind of doing some Jalen stuff, guy. where he's like filling a wrong hole and stuff. I'm like, wait, there? Why did you miss your run fit again? But of the, of the five guys I just threw out there, how many of those guys? Which one of those guys helps you the most in 2021, or which one of those guys helps you the most for the next five years? And yeah. honestly, I I'm kind of thinking it's the guys on offense more than the defensive guys that I threw out there. So if you're drafting for one year, then I, I want you going all in on free agency in one year then. Yeah. You know, so that's where I kind of, that's where I, to me, not like to me, drafting Kyle Pitts, I would never look at anyone and go, that's a terrible idea. No, it's an awesome idea. Cause he would be the clear best player on the board. Like if there's a guy who's going to go to the hall of fame in this draft, it's Trevor Lawrence or it's Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. And it and, it, and it almost stops there, like of like feeling good about saying that out loud, like maybe maybe I feel pretty good about you know Sewell. Uh, well, like I as said, well, but like, I'm going to use Seattle. I'm using Seattle's example right here, okay? And I'm going to say that whatever corner you take at ten is going to become Richard Sherman, <laughs> and Micah Parsons is going to become Bobby Wagner. So you have a chance to get Richard Sherman or Bobby Wagner. Who do you want at ten? Because I think I want Wagner. I just okay. So, are you picking up the fifth year option on Leighton Vanderesh, and are you having Jalen Smith on your team? Well, no, because he's going to be so he's going to be Bobby Wagner. So you're not even going to be worried about that. You're all about yeah. this guy is going to be your guy for a decade. 
Oh, man. That and the reason tough. I say this is because you just mentioned Hall of Fame, and I think of Richard Sherman and Bobby Wagner as being Hall of Famers. So that's why I'm saying you could get no, a Hall of Fame too. defender. Yeah, that I, I value cornerback more than I value linebacker. Yeah, I do too. I do too. But I just think and Bobby I, Wagner is just so like a different beast than like almost any other linebacker. Like I don't think Richard Sherman separates himself from the rest of the corners the way Bobby Wagner separates himself from almost all of the linebackers over his you know, like I'm saying, like a decade of him playing at this level. But too, that's where depth of the draft comes in too, because I can tell you all about second round cornerbacks and we get to linebacker after the first few guys. You know, and how much how much longer, KT though, can like say they do draft Kyle Pitts and it's a CD Lamb situation and, and McCarthy's like, Well, he's just sitting there. He's the number one guy on our board. So we took him. And then they go into next season and their defense is terrible again. Like his job, I feel like is at stake here. Like you can't just make luxury picks at this point uh, when you need to vastly improve on that side of the ball. I, I, that's all I'm saying. So even though it probably is a Hall of Fame player, like you've got needs. <laughs> so I, I don't know if he can outlast. This isn't Jason Garrett in year eight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like <laughs> I don't know if he can outlast a Kyle Pitts like career here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If if the defense doesn't improve. No, no, no. You're right. And this is, I mean, and this is kind of like where the, I think people get frustrated with like not doing more in free agency to mm-hmm. kind of supplement the draft. Cause now you have to, for the next six weeks go, well, we're going to fix the defense in the draft. And then you get to the draft and then a, uh, you know, something nice pops up and you're like, Oh, like, a, it's like, yeah, you yell squirrel to a dog when Kyle Pitts is there at 10 or when CD lamps at 17. You're like, oh yeah. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm going to chase this thing. Like I get it, and you know what? I it's think tempting. Jerry has something to do with that too. I don't hate to put all that on McCarthy because I think Jerry it, it wanted Ceedee Lamb just as bad as as anyone in that room. So I, 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 you know what else we have to talk about real quick about this? Let me factor this into if you said that they take Kyle Pitts at ten, but at forty four they get a corner that's on the level of Trayvon Diggs, who immediately steps in as a factor. Mm-hmm. Then I think people will be fine with it. I, I just and I'm not saying everybody, but I think that there's some people that would be concerned myself included, that there is a track record in Dallas of using that second round pick to take a little bit of a risk on an injury guy who you might not get contributions from right away. And so if you're pairing that situation with Kyle Pitts, I hate it. But if you're going to give me another Trayvon Diggs after taking CeeDee Lamb in the first round, then yeah, sign me up for that. And it doesn't have to be a corner either. It could be, let's say, one of the safeties falls there. It could be one of the defensive tackles falls there to 44. But if you give me a defender that can come in and I know is going to be a starter on my defense, I'll be able to digest that better than yeah. just Kyle Pitts and then them taking a chance on somebody in the second round where they're like, well, we didn't think this guy would fall this far. It's coming off some injuries. Might not be able to help us that much right now, but in two years, this could be our guy. Like, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm good with that. Let's say they loved, we're just having fun here real quick. Let's say they love safety Richie Grant from Central Florida or safety Trevon Morig from TCU. Uh, would you combine 44 and your comp pick 99 to get up to 34? Or maybe 44 and your comp pick 75 to get up to 27? I don't think they would do that for a safety. Yeah, I don't think I don't they'd think do they that for safety, safety, but safety to be honest with you, of, of this last decade of watching Cowboys football, I would do it for, for sure. They need I to. Too. I don't think if, they would. If, if, if all of my scouts that have seen them are completely sold that they're that, and then I'm not saying like a Pro Bowl safety, but going to be a solid starter for me, and we'll get. Here's the key: I will have to. They will be good enough that I will have to give them a second contract. 
then yes, I'm yeah. in for that. I'm in for that. Oh, so the money on Basham is two at 6.5. So again, another cheap. But I think it's up to 6.5. There could up be some six. things in there where like, you know, it might not be that on that level, but if he reaches this number of sacks or this many of pressures, then he gets sick. I think that's the top out on it. So I don't know that that's necessarily what he's getting guaranteed, but sorry, go on. Now, if they were going to spend on a guy, the Bears just cut their cornerback, Kyle Fuller. Uh, Kyle Fuller is um, 29 right now. Had a you know seven interception year back in 2018, but has started uh, and played it. Actually, he's played in every game in his six-year career. Uh, started all but two games in his rookie year. He is durable. Man, I, I don't know how much he would cost on the market. Um, right. looking at things, but my goodness, Kyle Fuller would be a great player. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a tantalizing free agent name you want to toss out. We threw out a bunch of names on a podcast a couple weeks ago, and they've been you know cussed and discussed a little bit on here. But like, you know, Kyle Fuller's a name that just just became available, and I didn't necessarily see that coming. Uh, I didn't know yeah. you know what his, the, the you know Bears cap situation was. So that's a interesting name. Speaking um, of Bears, though, you boys fine with? Uh the backup quarterback situation now? I mean, if if we went into the season right now with what they have, you're looking at Garrett Gilbert as the backup uh, with also Cooper Rush and Ben DiNucci. I personally don't think that Mike McCarthy is going to be cool with that. I think that they're going to somehow, some way, bring on a veteran, whether it be through right in the next week or so in free agency or maybe if a veteran gets let go after the draft because of a team that drafts a quarterback. I just I don't think the Cowboys go into next season with Garrett Gilbert being the backup. I don't either, uh, not knowing how McCarthy feels about Garrett Gilbert, obviously, but I was kind of like, I was thinking about that the other day, and I was like, okay, well, these guys started getting snatched up too. Like the day Dalton went, you know, Tyrod Taylor went, and Tyrod Taylor made like $12 million. That's way too much. Like, you want a guy who's going to be under $5 million. So like Tim Boyle signed with the Lions. Tim Boyle was Aaron Rodgers' backup. But, you know, looking at that, when that happened, I was like, I don't think the McCarthy connection goes back. Because Boyle didn't get in the league till 2019, but I I do think it'll be something really 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 cheap if they do something. But you know that's far from the priority. Looks like you know? um, Glennon going to the Giants means that Colt probably won't be back there. So uh, hey, you, you like that? Yeah, You've that, been pushing for that Colt was on my list for a while now. Yeah, that was, yeah, I feel like for I feel like for years. Cowboys Nation has been thinking that was going to be something, and then like maybe it was because J- we knew Jason liked him, and then. You know, Jason worked with them, and uh, and yeah, he's still he's still out there. It's just all these backup guys. They're they're all they're all gone already. They're all signed. Trubisky, Brissett, like all these guys are just. But there'll be other guys. There'll be other guys. There'll be just like I mean, talk about like veteran guys that have you know starting experience, wins under their belt. Those types of guys who, if Dak were to go down for five games again, you know, what kind of season are we going to have? That's a that that's a legitimate question, KT. Um, but there could be guys after the draft, though, just because, like, yeah. like last year, Andy Dalton wasn't available until after the draft. Like, Say there's a Russell Wilson draft, trade that goes down. Yeah, you never know. Who, yeah. So, Ken, if you could have Colt McCoy or Earl Thomas on this Cowboys team, since I know oh, you God. like that name too, who do you want? <laughs> Earl Thomas. <laughs> I know uh, those are your favorites. So. Yeah, I don't think Dak's. I, I I think we're. I think Dak's going to be fine for for next season. I really do. Um, so I'm not as concerned as I am about the defense. So. If it's one or the other, I'm t- I'm taking the safety, but um, but yeah, I mean you need you need starting experience. I do not want another Cooper Rush situation under our hands, but 
But Garrett Gilbert looked looked okay last year. Like it, it could be a worse situation. I, I would feel a lot worse if it was just Cooper Rush and Ben DiNucci. All I can do for you right now, and I don't Flacco. I don't think signed with the 49ers. I know he visited him, but I got Joe Flacco for you. I got a uh, AJ McCarron for you. Blaine Gabbert. Uh, you know Brian Hoyer. Uh, <laughs> Brett Hundley, who who was with um who was with McCarthy a few years ago. Maybe that's a connection. Uh, you can look at that's all I'm, I can do for you. Oh, Blake Bortles. Um, God, no, no. CJ Beathard, <laughs> please no. You know, I'm not. Uh, I know I'm not. Nick uh, Mullins. Nick Mullins is fine. Oh, he was restricted though. He'll probably stay in San Francisco. Now, I was trying to ch- find a McCarthy connection. It's just hard to find. Anything, what about so. Nick Foles? Foles. Foles goes on the street. Foles isn't an option. Foles isn't an um, option. That'd be so funny if he brought in Foles. We should time. mention this too. LP Latasur gone. Um, uh, he was two two games short of tying Witten's record for most uh, games played as a Cowboy, and Chris Jones gone as well. Kind of saw that coming. But. It's like the first time in twenty years that LP Chris Jones or Dan Bailey wasn't on those special teams. Like one of those. It's very. Guys it's, hey, so it's very weird. clear they're letting John Fossil get the guys he wants. I mean, it's yeah. very clear that they're allowing him. I mean, and and to be honest, the special teams improved quite a bit last year. And so yeah. now that he's getting more of his guys in, they resign a guy like Noah Brown. They resign obviously CJ Goodwin's a huge move for the special teams. He was, I thought their most valuable special teams player last year. That should be a solid unit, which obviously you just go two years ago it was the worst in the league. So uh, he's done a good job there. They're clearly listening to him and allowing him to do what he wants. So uh, that those are, I mean, that's what they've upgraded so far. I feel like is special teams. That's what's been addressed so far. Other than that, offense, defense, I I, don't, I mean, I know that Jerry said they had pie left, but I, I, I just have had my reservations about the idea of, are they really going to spend that money? And I think the only way they do is if there's just some bargain free agent that just continues to make it into the second week. And then they're like, all right, well, yeah, we'll do this for one year. We didn't think we'd even be able to get you for this price. So let's do it, you know? And, and lastly, John, uh, anything that stood out from the DAC press, uh, press conference? Obviously that you were uh, uh, in attendance for that. So like anything to you or... Couple big notes from the Dak press. Did Jerry conference. have any have a black eye or something after just taking a beating in that deal? You know, <laughs> no. But it was interesting to hear how you know how many different ways and different times throughout that. I mean, over an hour, hour and twenty minute press conference. Just how he conceded that you know he lost in that and that negotiation, and that's not something that happens to him very often. Obviously, with not just football, but in his business life. But you know. That's just interesting because you never really hear Jerry Jones say that. And it was just made very clear that Dak got the best of that deal. And so Jerry turned it to like, well, but in the end, the Cowboys win. So we, you know, we all win because we were able to keep Dak. And in, in the end, he, I mean, he's, he's right. But this is a guy that hasn't really slowed down as he's gotten, uh, you know, older in age now up to 78. You know, he's still wheeling and dealing. So to have that type of drive like he does in the business world, there's no way that he it doesn't bother him even a little bit though that that Dak and Todd France got the best of that. Uh, you know what? To be honest with you, just to answer your your question, KT, I kind of thought some of the best stuff was just after it was over and Todd France like talked to a group of like five or six reporters and it just Todd France never talks to anyone like at the combine every year. I know Kent, you've been around there when this has happened. Like. Uh, there's this, there's a day every year at the combine where all the agents have to basically, I think it's renew, uh, their license. And so they're all in this one ballroom. They come in and out throughout like probably three, four year, hour period. And there's a lot of reporters that hang out there to kind of just talk to the agents about like players that are on their teams and stuff. And 
I have never seen Todd France talk to anybody out there. Like it just like it's, I mean, he keeps everything quiet and behind the scenes. And it was just interesting to hear him sell his side of the story and how it bothered him over these last two years of the things he heard. And he didn't say necessarily like local reporters or guys like us on podcasts. I think he was more so some of the national television shows where the talking heads always are talking about that because it's the hot sports topic. And he just felt like there were a lot of inaccurate things being put out there, but that's the way he negotiates is that he keeps everything that he has behind the scenes. And that just shows you on top of it that whenever this stuff was coming out, like we talked about here on this podcast so many times, it was coming out from the Cowboys side and that was made very clear. Um, but it was just interesting to see him actually stop and talk because he just, he never really does. But during the press conference, very positive. You can tell, you know, just everything was a, a really good mood heading in the right direction. I was a little surprised that, that Mike McCarthy wasn't there. Um, I, I think he's back in Green Bay still. I think it was spring break for uh, his kids are, are still in school. Um, but for the most part, everybody else, you know, was there. And it just kind of was the first time that it kind of felt like we were back to normal because, I, you know, everyone was wearing masks and we were all distanced. But it was like the first time you were kind of back at the star and they were, like something actually happened because nothing has happened. For over two months, you know, we hadn't heard from the Cowboys. You, you really hadn't heard about any movement. And all of a sudden this contract comes together. And I know it was kind of sold as it came together in like a day or two. But Todd France and Stephen Jones both said that this went like for multiple weeks. And I, you know what? That's another interesting part of it, too, is that Stephen admitted that Todd was the one that picked up the phone finally and was like, let's stop messing around with this. Let, hey, let's 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 talk about it. Let's get the ball rolling. And so that was kind of interesting because. It just shows you that for the longest time, for this two years, it was both sides kind of sitting there looking at the phone like, I'm not calling first. Let's see. Let's see if they'll call. <laughs> and it took someone to finally give in, and that was Todd France. Well, it's uh, we're all glad that, uh, at least I think on this show, we're all glad that the deal got done. And now, though, the, the work is the work still has to be done. Like, I, it's, it's interesting, like, seeing, like, a team, like, in the division, like Washington, you know, go make some plays, even though it's kind of – I didn't see them signing Ryan Fitzpatrick. That caught me off guard. But they got Fitz Magic, and then like they're running. What Curtis does that Samuel. do for you, KT? What does that do for you? Like, what do you think they are now with him? Like, I still think they're like nine and seven, maybe ten and six. I think they're less than that because okay, <laughs> I, I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick and and Taylor Heineke or whatever they're going to go with. Like, when's the last time Fitzpatrick played sixteen games? Right? Like, he gets benched at some point in the year every time he gets the job. And I understand there's younger guys, or whatever. But like, you know, they're it sounds like they're pretty committed to a Heineke and. And, um, you know, Fitzpatrick like competition, but like adding Curtis Samuels kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. seeing them make a play. Who's the uh, defensive back they got? They got a decent defensive back as well. Uh, it's slipping me because they're trying to, uh, William Jackson. Yeah. So like, you know, they're out there kind of, kind of doing some things. It's very interesting. I still think like with, without a DAC injury last year, I still think the Cowboys easily win the division. Like, I think the Cowboys are resting starters down the stretch last year, even with that crappy defense. And I kind of feel like they've got quite a bit of cushion this year as well. Like, I know, like, everyone kind of likes the Washington roster, but I just I just think having a quarterback like Dak and what this offense is going to be able to do will win them. I still feel like, feel like they're like a two-game favorite in the division. And that's such a dangerous thing to do, you know? It seems like it always backfires when you get that way, but I still just think Washington's far off if they're truly going with Fitzpatrick or Samuel. Uh, I, I mean, or, or Heineke. I can't. I I don't know if I agree with with far off. I mean, yeah. Granted, the Cowboys did lose their quarterback last season, but um, you know, think about what the what the what Washington was rolling out last year at quarterback, and they still, 
you know, won the division based on solely on their defense. I mean, if they're competent on offense, they draft a receiver to compliment Terry McLaurin. Uh, you know, they draft Kyle Pitts or something like that. Um, you know, make a splash on offense, rebuild that offensive line uh, to protect Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, I, I, I think they're certainly the favorite in the division, if not the Cowboys um, going into next season. And that's, that's not a, that's not a question. I think Fitzpatrick, it gives me more faith in them than if they were to go with, with Heineke. Yeah, I wouldn't argue that, but I still think the Cowboys have the edge as long as Dak's healthy. Yeah, I, oh, of course. I, I, the only way that I would I would go with Washington is they would have to significantly improve at quarterback and and you know like make a move for like Deshaun Watson or something like that. That would have been the only way I think that they're better than the Cowboys if, yeah. if health if, if Dak's healthy. You know? oh, I don't think they're better than the Cowboys either, but I, I think they're going to be the Cowboys' biggest competition in this. Oh in yeah, this yeah, yeah, for sure. Yes. Well, and, and quickly, I'll be quick here. It's part of the reason why I'm like encouraging the Cowboys to draft for five years and not draft for one year. Because I think as is, even with this crappy defense, I do think as is, they're good enough to win the division. Now, it's about winning Super Bowls and all that stuff, right? But like, dude, get, let's make the playoffs first. And that's why I'm kind of like encouraging best player everywhere. And I know we got to get the defense fixed at some time. I know it, but it's like... Kyle Pitts could be there. I mean, maybe he goes to Philadelphia at six or whatever, but I just I think you can do it without like having like you're not gonna quick fix this defense into a top five or top ten unit in one year anyways. So like if yeah. that's kind of out the window, let's just do what we're doing for, you know, long term. Yeah, I I <laughs> I can't honestly say I'll come on here and be upset if they draft Kyle Pitts. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like if we get to next season. And, and, you know, where, uh, let's say, uh, at the bye week, you know, let's say midway through the season, they're four and four, you know, uh, you're like, and they're, and they're 29th in defense and they have, you know, three sacks all year, you know, you're like, Ooh, Kyle Pitts is great. It's great that he has two touchdowns so far as a rookie, you know, it's great, but you know, that's all I'm saying. It's like. Yeah, we need to think about the long term, and that is a, a pick that will pay off in five years, or, or you know, maybe a Hall of Fame player. But but um, my gosh, it, it, we, they were historically bad last year, guys. I, I mean, historically bad. Let's not pretend like this is a middle tier defense. It's like, oh, one more top ten pick, and they'll make it find the Super Bowl. I'm saying like they need multiple top ten picks, and this oh, yeah. is just one of them. And if they they need to spend a top ten pick on a defensive guy while they have a top ten pick, let's not like wait on twenty pick twenty seven and pick eighteen and all these all these guys that have you know signed rookie contracts and left because the Cowboys don't value them enough to keep them around. Um, so that's all I'm saying. Like if you've got that like best player on the board on defense, go that way. go that route. It's hard to disagree with. It's just like you know sometimes you're on a diet and you're like, hey, you know what? I think I'll have that cookie. Um, you know, <laughs> and it's like, but uh, yeah, it's like right. the Chiefs. You know, it's like their offense is just so good that that. I mean, their defense is good too, but it's like they just keep adding weapons to that offense, and it's like. Just when you think they're uh, they're done adding weapons, they add another weapon, you know. So, hey, I'm gonna have a dry January. Uh, and then like two <laughs> weeks in, you're pouring a glass of whiskey. It's that type of thing. Uh, okay, 
Well, guys, it was uh, fun to catch up. And again, we'll be back. If anything crazy happens, if the Cowboys make a huge signing, we'll be here for you with an emergency Cowboys podcast, of course. Keep following John, who's been producing great content throughout this free agency period. And we'll be about five or six weeks away from the draft. So um, and make sure to uh, you know keep following The Athletic and uh, check out our friends' work as well. Uh, we'll get baseball coming with Levi and Star and Saad and Tim Cato and the Mavs doing stuff, Bob's doing stuff. So we're all kicking butt here um, on The Athletic. For you, our subscriber and listener, we love you. For our producer, Kent Garrison. For Father John Michaud, live on remote in Detroit, Michigan. No, not Detroit. What part of Michigan? Uh, Warren, Sterling Heights area, suburbs of Detroit. Live for, on remote live from, from the burbs. From his brother's house. <laughs> Uh, in Michigan, Father John Mishota, I'm KT. We'll see you next time on About Them Cowboys. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless. <laughs>